0: She's Katie,
1: <laughs> and he's Ben.
0: And Taylor Swift has done something, so we are back to talk about it. <laughs> we have so many opinions.
1: We have so so many opinions. I'm very excited.
0: Oh, okay. good. I'm glad you talked excited. about this. Okay, Ben. Since so, it so was your idea, I'm very happy I've, that you're excited about it.
1: I've had it with your emo bullshit.
0: <laughs> My emo bullshit, huh?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> um. Yeah, so Taylor re-recorded uh, Fearless, an album that she originally dropped in 2008. Um, she won Album of the Year for that album. It was her first Album of the Year win. Uh, and because of the whole, like, Masters debacle, um, if you don't know about it, like, her catalog got sold to, now I'm blanking on the company, but first it was uh, Scott Borchetta. No. Scott Borchetta sold it to Scooter Braun, who then sold it to like another company. So Taylor is re-recording her music, so she owns all of it.
0: Which is not an uncommon thing and it's definitely a power move. And to her credit, I will say that she made it worthwhile to her fans to buy by adding even more songs to this already incredibly long album from the platinum release
1: it is a, it is a marathon of an album but um yeah do you remember when fearless came out then
0: uh, 2008 i think
1: yeah yeah i mean like do you remember like hearing about it do you remember like obviously
0: well yes i remember hearing about it i mean I remember hearing Love Story and thinking, has this person ever read A Scarlet Letter or Romeo and Juliet? Um,
1: Oh my God. What a male response to have.
0: I mean, it's not wrong. Um, And Breathe and what was the other one that I remember hearing? Oh, 15, yeah. So I, I remember hearing all those songs.
1: First of all, it's called Creative License, Ben especially with Shakespeare or Nathaniel Hawthorne. They're both like way out of copyright. It's cool. Second of all, Love Story is a perfect pop song.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I do not disagree with that.
1: (laughs) It's not as good as You Belong With Me, but it's pretty damn good.
0: This was also in Taylor's transitionary phase from being a young country um, upstart to full-on pop diva
1: right I mean she hasn't fully transitioned into being a quote-unquote purely pop star even though it's clearly in this album or in the original record of this album Mm -hmm. Um, and you got the like pop radio releases of Love Story and You Belong With Me Um, I was 17 when that album came out
0: so you were the same age as Tay Tay was
1: not quite she's a year older than I am so she
0: 18 I thought she was 17 when those maybe she was 17 when she recorded it
1: Yeah, probably. Um, So yeah, like, you know, as I'm sure I mentioned on our last few pods, I wasn't super into uh, teardrops on my guitar, like first iteration uh, era Taylor, I guess you could say, but I, you know, couldn't resist Love Story and uh, (laughs) You Belong With Me And, and then really liked Fearless the album, so.
0: I don't guess I ever listened to the entire album. I did on the computer I had at the time way back in the house, Young days of 2008 did have both of those songs on there as well as some songs from her first album because i thought they were good songs i mean i, I still think they're all right songs it's just i still don't think she had read those two the, the two works that she <laughs> cited in love story it's just like i mean what the hell
1: she obviously read them. You can change the ending if you feel like it in a fucking song. Okay. <laughs> um, creative license, band it's a, it's a fucking thing. Put your misogyny away.
0: Yeah, no. I'm going to wear it like a shield in this episode, I think.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it was so... I think like Taylor, when she wrote the album or I'm making a, a broad assumption here, um, as a 17 year old, I like connected to like, you know, there's like a feeling of being young in that album that like was really desirable to me, especially because I didn't r- really feel young as a 17 year old, you know?
0: Interesting, how come? Yeah,
1: yeah. a lot of shit. <laughs> I, was, I was going through a lot. <laughs>
0: when when you're 17 and you're going through a lot of shit yeah you will cling to a taylor swift love song um
1: yeah because there's something um cling to there's there's an interesting tension in the album right there's both like a youthfulness and like also you can tell she's sort of wearing characters of people who are having these types of relationships because i still don't think she had had many of them yet
0: you know um i do think there is a there's a youthfulness that was there in the original recording of those songs that is not there in the re-recording of those songs, and that's just natural. And we'll talk about that that difference. Yeah. Um, But we're just I was talking
1: about the general broad appeal of Fearless.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't really speak to the general broad appeal of Fearless because it didn't not. appeal to me. Because you know that those songs I thought were okay, but I yeah I was not 17 in 2008 and. <laughs> I I appreciated her writing ability, but it was songs by a teenager about teenage things that I was fairly far removed from at that point. And I mean, I was approaching 30, I think in 2008. And uh, actually I was, uh, I was 32 in 2008. So I was just like, okay, that's a cool song, um, good hook um it's leaning into the pop country thing because there would be a little bit of a banjo but it would be like a note on a banjo and then opening or or something like that and it was just it was clear that she had aspirations of moving beyond the genre which is fine she's not the first person she won't be the last person to do so and so I thought oh that's a cute song and didn't think anything more about it this is a pop song it's empty calories and went about my day
1: yeah, but it's like for the first time in Pitchfork said this that they've actually reviewed Fearless. I have to go like actually read it, but the the tagline was like she asks people to take the experience of teenage girls seriously, and I think that's important, especially since there is a lot of hatred towards the things that teen girls love or experience or think about or imagine or whatever.
0: Your that's probably fair. Um, because <laughs> Probably. I, I,
1: you almost well, said you're right. <laughs> uh,
0: well, the reason I was going to say that is because I think of pop music as music for teens. And I was thinking back to like the Beatles and stuff like that. And that was basically for teen boys, although teen girls were one of the primary consumers. And so I think there always has been a target, but this is probably, and I'm saying probably because there's a lot of like eighties teen girl singers. So I think you could make the same claim. So I think that's a generational thing. The pitchfork is saying that because the pitchfork writers are, were probably in their twenties writing this. So this spoke to their generation when, if you looked back at, I don't know, um, I can't think of any of them uh, that the, yeah, I think we're alone girl. I think we're alone now. Um, or- or uh,
1: Oh, it doesn't seem to be any photograph now.
0: Yeah. So I think that there was a wave of teenage or early 20s girl who were singing about their experiences.
1: Yeah, but that was in In, the 80s. That was 30 years removed.
0: Well, that's why I'm saying probably because it wouldn't be the first time. It might be the first time that it was as successful, but I don't know that it was actually the first time that it had happened.
1: That's not what they're arguing. They're just saying, she's saying like, take the experiences and thoughts and feelings of teenagers seriously.
0: When you say for the first time, that has meaning.
1: I didn't say it for the first time.
0: You said that they said for the first time. That's why we're having this argument.
1: No, no, no. That she's asking them to do that in general because there is such a hatred towards the things. I, I say again that teenagers, teenage girls, love.
0: Oh, that I uh, completely agree with. It was, it was that this was the first time that that had happened. I
1: didn't say that. <laughs>
0: I, I think when we play back the tape, we will find that in fact, you did say that.
1: Are you trying to Vanderpump Rules me on here?
0: I, I have the receipts. We are recording this.
1: <laughs> Jax Taylor me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's well, a little bit I of Jack everybody everybody.
1: If I said for the first time, that's not what I meant. Okay, and I'm if you saying, didn't say
0: that, I'm sorry, because that, that's what I heard.
1: At the time in 2008, especially, There's a reason that Taylor Swift goes to being a country star first, right? There's not a lot of space for teen girls when she drops her first album. It's, like, not the music scene at that moment in time. And country is a space for her to break in.
0: It was a space for her to break in where she didn't have to come in in a hyper-sexualized way like Britney or um, Christina. Definitely.
1: So, you know um etc so i loved fearless at the time i think that i now have a new appreciation of it as a re-recorded record um so i thought we could do this in a few it like break this down in a few ways i thought one we could compare the production and talk about how it's different between the two albums um we can talk about the the change in the vocals um, and some stylistic things, and then, and then we can approach the uh, the 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 Taylor Vault songs, which I think actually deserve their own conversation.
0: Okay. Um, well, let me that? give the uh, sure whatever you want to do. Uh, let okay. me give the production for this album, and this is the re-recording, released on April 9th of this year, twenty twenty one, recorded between November and January of 2020 and 2021, runtime of an insane 106 minutes and 20 seconds on the public. Producers are listed as Taylor Swift, Christopher Rowe, Jack Antonoff, and Aaron Desner. There are a lot of fuckers on this album, considering that there are like 2,700 songs, it's not surprising. Um, Taylor Swift, lead vocal, songwriting, production, all tracks and backing vocals on several tracks. Mike Meadows, 12 string acoustic guitar, Acoustic guitar, background vocals, Hammond B3, mandolin, banjo, finger clicking, piano, electric guitar, synthesizer, synthesizing programming, and dobro, Caitlin Evans, backing vocals, Paul, sudoti background vocals, electric guitar, piano and acoustic guitar, Amos Heller, bass, Matt Billingsley, drums, finger clicking, drum programming, electronic percussion, Max Bernstein, electric guitar, vibraphone, guitar, synthesizer, synthesizer program, glockenspiel, Judith Utkin on fiddle, cello and strings, Christopher Rowe production, background vocals, Liz Rose, uh, co-songwriter, Hillary Lindsey co-songwriter, Dan Burns, drum programming, synthesizer programming, Cab, uh, excuse me, Kobe Calais, vocals and songwriting, Brian Pruitt, drum programming, John Rich songwriting, Carrie Barlow songwriting, Nathan Barlow songwriting. Breath, Tommy Lee James, songwriting, Aaron Desner production, acoustic guitar, bass, drum programming, electric guitar, keyboards, percussion, synthesizer, piano, Eric Slick, drums, Josh Kaufman, electric guitars, harmonica, acoustic guitar, lap guitar, Maren Morris, vocals, Scooter Caruso, songwriting, Jack Antonoff, production, acoustic guitar, backing vocals, bass, electric guitar, percussion, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, Sean Hutchinson, drums, Mickey Freedom, heart, electric guitar, pedal steel, acoustic guitar, bass, Celestia, drums, Hammond. Michael Riddleberg, percussion, Evan Smith, saxophone, flute, programming, Keith Urban, backing vocals, electric guitar, 12 string guitar, Clarence Jensen, cello, Brad Warren, songwriting, Brett Warren, songwriting, and Bobby Hawk, violin. And all of those after the breath are basically the people who appear on the extra songs that were added for this specific rendition. Which
1: makes sense, right? Because we're coming to this right off of Folklore and Evermore where she's like primarily working with Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff so
0: well I give her a lot of credit in this and that she apparently went down and tracked down all the session musicians who had played on the original album and got most of them to come back including getting Kobe Calais to lay down which is awesome tracks. yeah
1: she's yeah. she's really like Giving it, giving it back, and it's like a fuck you. To, it's a real fuck you to the people who own the masters. Which,
0: good 100%. for you, This
1: is a this is the best use of her powers.
0: <laughs> sure,
1: it is. It's one of the better uses of her powers.
0: I said sure. Uh, well, I was agreeing with
1: you. <laughs> Our listeners can't see your face, or you like took a pause, and we're like, yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: And you're reading too much into it. I would never. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ah, Yeah, okay. I appreciate the hell out of the power move of going, oh, you're on my masters. Well, fuck you. I'll just re-record the album. And not only will I re-record the album, I'll obsessively study the original recordings of the song so that I do all the same vocal mannerisms and get the same artists to play on it so that they still get their cut of any royalties.
1: She doesn't do all the same vocal mannerisms. She does a
0: lot of them, though.
1: No, she doesn't. And I'll tell you why I know that, because I've listened to both, like I've listened to them side by side and I've listened to the album multiple times. Now, is she trying to make the song sound very similar like some songs sound very similar yes because they have to sound similar um but her vocal affectations are different now and and we can talk about why well
0: she's not pretending to actually be from the south anymore so there's that yeah
1: that's that's good that's a i think a plus of this album well let me just ask you what your initial reaction was listening to fearless and then the Listening recorded
0: re-recording recording. Recording. yeah um hmm. so there were two observations that i made one is that she sounds better on the re-recording as far as just if purely talking about the quality of her voice her voice sounds better now at 30 whatever than it did at 17 or 18 or however old she was when she recorded this.
1: She has much more control over her instrument. I think that it's stark when you listen to them. Yeah,
0: Well, she's singing albums, within her right? voice instead of trying to out-sing her voice.
1: Yeah. It, it's sort of like you can feel like the, the confidence in this album to just... I actually feel like we get a lot more of her real personality versus this like forced, like sassy I mean country star on the first album the first version of it
0: that's interesting and I don't know how it will jive with this so that'll lead to a a conversation because I felt that she felt these songs more
1: Mm than
0: and that's just a product of her being closer to the writing um, and also being younger she has a lot more life experience now obviously so I, I, I feel that if if you played a song from the first rendition of this album or the platinum edition and asked me, does this singer believe this song? I would say yes. If he played me a rendition from this one and I, for some reason, was hit in the head and couldn't tell that it was still Taylor Swift and asked me that same question, I would go, no, this is basically some a professional singer doing a really good cover version of a song.
1: I actually disagree. I think that, on the first album she i think that taylor as a 17 18 year old is someone who has a really good imagination and can like in this like vaguely cinematic way imagine these types of relationships where you're like fighting in the rain like whatever that's a line from one of the songs right like um but i don't think that she had really had those experiences
0: i don't know that she had, I had think the experiences there's more
1: of a sincerity on the new recording because she has all of that experience like there's um, more there's kind of a nostalgia to the vocal, and I think that that, to me, that resonates more.
0: I can see that argument. I disagree with it because I think she's much closer to the emotion. Maybe she didn't actually fight with somebody in the rain, but her crush on the dude from whatever band that she wrote, um, whatever Hey, Steven the, for? Yeah, Hey, Steven, you, is much closer to the surface on the original recording than in the re-recording.
1: I love Hey Steven. It's one of my favorite songs
0: on the record.
1: Don't roll your eyes.
0: (laughs) I didn't roll my eyes. I just smiled at you.
1: Again, like it was, uh, there's such a purity to that. Anyways, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it.
0: You are a a fucking Taylor Stan to the end. You are super defensive about this album for some reason.
1: Yeah, because I really like it. So I got to defend it. I got to defend an album that I really like. It's, um, some things, okay. The production wise that like I noticed just like listening to it in my headphones. Um, some songs seemed like the key was adjusted just slightly so she could sing a little lower in the beginning. Um Some songs, I feel like you can really hear the bass a lot more underneath it, and the drums, while they're on the first album, I feel like come in a lot stronger on this re-recording.
0: I didn't listen to it on headphones, so I didn't get that finely tuned, a sense of those things. Um, I do agree that it, because of how she is naturally singing in a lower key, so I do think that they probably did adjust the key to the song, so you're probably very right about that and it wouldn't surprise me if because her voice her voice is further back in the mix on this than it is in the original recording so you probably can hear the bass and drums better
1: yeah yeah well she here's the way here are the ways taylor has improved as a singer obviously yeah so she's not pushing or forcing her voice anymore she's much better at mixing and deciding when to flip versus when not to flip. Um, And uh, you can tell she's just like way more comfortable singing in kind of like an indie-esque style.
0: Yeah, no, I can't disagree with any of that. I wonder how much that has to do with not only her having a whole lot more uh, reps under her belt of singing and, and yeah. having done it for so much longer, but also in the ways that the music industry has changed over the last, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years.
1: Totally. Like the indie singer, songwriter, female artist has definitely like sort of reemerged. Um, I mean, not sort of like has largely reemerged. What was the other thing I was going to say? One thing that you can tell she still feels uncomfortable with, and you can tell she felt uncomfortable with it on the first record and on this record, she's really uncomfortable singing songs that are super belty.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, she's, she's not a belter. So she should be.
1: (laughs) She can belt, but it's like, it's not, she can belt in moments. Like she can't belt a whole song.
0: I mean, and I'm gonna make some people mad about this. She's the second best singer on this album. Kobe Calais is a much better singer than her.
1: Oh, get out of here.
0: No, sorry. It's the truth. No.
1: Kobe Calais does her own thing specifically and has not had a hit since bubbly.
0: Uh writing a hit has nothing to do with talent or ability.
1: I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: We we will just agree to disagree on that point and move on.
1: Ben's ready to fight. Kobe (laughs) Calais is a fine singer.
0: Uh, Looking at it from pure vocal talent, I think she is much better than Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has made a lot more money than Kobe Calais. And and Taylor's probably a better songwriter. Sir, I
1: respectfully disagree. i haven't listened to colby calais in in quite some time but i'll i'll listen back to her and give you (laughs) some more feedback
0: okay i appreciate that
1: yeah yeah all right so yeah those are the big things that i noticed um do you would like if you had to pick which version you like better would you know what you would say
0: Mm, uh, uh, the new version, this version, Taylor's version. Taylor's version is better because okay, so she's a better singer. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Just like looking. So the songs that like had to kind of sound pretty similar to the original. I feel like were Fearless, Fifteen, Love Story, You Belong with Me. They're pretty similar in arrangement. Yeah. Yes. Um. I will say, I mean, I know this is going to be hard, like hard for you to relate to, but songs that I don't connect to on the original version, I connect to on this version because, because of what I was saying, the like nostalgia factor. So, like,
0: is that do you think your nostalgia or her nostalgia?
1: Probably a mix of both. Well, because like I don't, I I listen to them now on the platinum record, and I still like they don't hit me in the same way. And so like when I listen to for example, like the best day, the one that she wrote about her mom, like it, the, this, the version on the re-recorded album is so much more nostalgic and like hits me more. Like it makes me kind of emotional. I'm just like, Oh God.
0: That one, I will say that I think she probably feels more emotional about it. Yeah. Now, especially since she had the, the song dedicated to her mom on, I don't remember which album it was. And she, her mom's fought cancer twice since, uh, the best day was originally recorded and released. So, yeah,
1: 100%. Or like White Horse, which is not a song that I like really connected to on the first album at all. Like I thought it was fine and and again, I think that backwards looking take on it does something to it and also um Forever and Always, especially the piano version.
0: I like the piano version better.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Then I do the regular album cut. Yeah,
1: it's just you're like, oh, okay, like you're an indie singer now. That's what you want to do. That's cool.
0: Well, I mean, honestly, I felt because wasn't that uh, that also on the platinum edition, which yeah. came out the yeah. same year as the yeah. original? So you, you could that felt more in her wheelhouse than the album cut, the just the piano version. Even then on the Platinum Edition.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you, what are your favorite songs? Like, if you had to pick?
0: What are if my you can favorite songs?
1: can't pick any.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, as much as I was giving it shit, I, I, 15 is kind of a schmaltzy, but whatever. She was 17 when she wrote it and it's better than anything I wrote at that age, so. Um, 15 i think is still strong um love story is is like you said one of the perfect love songs i really like breathe um forever and always you know uh, i think those are probably the best ones
1: um my f- previous favorites so when the per- album first came out were fearless i still like fearless a lot um hey steven uh You belong with me, obviously, and and tell me tell me why. I really like that opening. Like it's there's it's so like rhythmic that song. Like you took a chance, you took a shot.
0: Yeah. Hey Steven.
1: But I'm not. I love that line. It's so good. Anyways.
0: I have a cousin named Steven, so hey Steven always makes me chuckle.
1: (laughs) Uh, well, like the line in Fearless where it's like there's something about like the, the pavement when like, hold on, what is the line? Yeah. There's something about the way the street looks when it's just rain, there's a glow off the pavement. Like, I think that's such a like classic Taylor Swift creating a world in like just a couple of lines. That's such a strong image.
0: Yeah. I think that that's one of my issues in not connecting with the album. a sign from age and distance from it is that I am not steeped enough in the Taylor canon to catch the world building that she's done that is so self-referential because Taylor Swift is definitely one of those songwriters who is all about fan service and reconnects new songs with old songs incredibly well Um, like I was uh, I think I was reading something on Vulture where they were talking about this is the first time the 2 a.m. pops up and it's popped up on like almost all the albums since then. That's her favorite time to reference them. Like, uh, okay.
1: Oh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Hold on. I do want to talk about this because that's that's important. But but, Fearless is not like it, it's too early. Like, the song is too early in her canon to be that referential.
0: <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it's the foundation, is what I'm saying. Not necessarily that song, this album.
1: No, if they're I on don't the later- think
0: it refers. That much to her first album, as this one is a foundational level. The
1: the the all of the like added songs, like the vault songs, yeah, are definitely like Taylor universe, world building MCU songs. Yeah, I caught the two AM thing too. Also, Mister Casually Cruel, which is a reference to All Too Well. There's a lot. There's a lot. You're like, man, okay, Taylor. She's just killing it.
0: She is in fact killing it.
1: She's smashing too the like Spotify listens right now, too.
0: Um, I don't doubt it. And I hope that anybody who is going to listen to one of these songs will go listen to this version of it because fuck the music industry.
1: That's right. I mean, I had to listen to the Platinum Edition, obviously, to make comparisons, but...
0: And I apparently did too, so.
1: Well, yeah, because she re-recorded the extra songs on it, so we had to talk about them.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I did not really notice that much of a difference between those songs on the Platinum Edition and the Taylor version.
1: Again, I just, I really appreciate the, the, um, the confidence that she has
0: now. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, there was that. But again, I I put that up to her knowing much better how to sing with her voice now and, and being more mature and much more polished and a stronger artist than she was then.
1: Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like, it's just, it's really, it's fascinating to, to like, think about, oh, like, if you listen to the first version of Fearless, like, she's just not done yet. You know?
0: Yeah. No. Totally.
1: I really, uh, I really like that. Should we talk about the the, uh, the second album on this album?
0: Yeah, let's talk about the second whole album on this album. <laughs> Do
1: I mean, in my mind, it starts at "You Are All Over Me" because that's like the first vault verse song. Was it? Yeah,
0: because I thought uh, I don't know. I get you know better than me, so yes.
1: Then <laughs> oh, be- you're
0: talking. You're talking about different from the platinum version.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm i I know that the platinum version and those extra songs are some sort of thing, but here's here's my case on this. The the platinum version she included B sides therefore that makes these seasides and i'm just like eh, they're okay um it, it's a it's a cool thing for her to do she is very masterful about connecting them to other things um they're very well played because of you know the taylor can afford and apparently could afford them too but especially on these songs her a-list team to come in and play on them and but still they are extras meant to get the people who might not buy it because they already have a copy to buy it because there's new material.
1: I, again, respectfully disagree. I think the back half of this, like all of those songs that interestingly, I think you could have put on any of the last three albums that Taylor released, like Lover, Folklore, or Evermore. I think there's an interesting conversation between those three albums and starting at You All For Me, these songs. I think you can hear a lot of Aaron Dessner on these songs and jack antonoff and like you could slot any of these songs onto either of those three albums
0: well yes but that's because they were involved in the production of them in a way that they weren't in the others but not in the writing and that's what i'm talking about because if if she had decided, I'm going to re-record these, but I'm not going to be faithful to the original, or as faithful as I can be to the original recording, and just let Antonoff and Desner do their thing, then you could have said the same thing about any of these songs.
1: Yeah, but I think you can definitely hear that they're producing it on the back half. They're not on the top half of this album.
0: Well, that's fair. I will agree with you there. But I'm, I, I was talking more about... I didn't care as much about the production because I wasn't listening to that. Now, maybe we were just listening to different things, but these are all out of that same writing cycle and these are weaker songs than the other. ones. Did the production help them out? Sure.
1: Um, I disagree. I disagree. I think You All Over Me is excellent. Mr. Perfectly Fine is really good. We Were Happy is like another version of, of happiness from Evermore, which is fine. I like it. I'm into it. I think that the, that's so universal like that when you end a relationship like and people are like oh whatever like you're the bad things and you're like no but like there were good things like I like it bye bye baby great. Mr. Perfectly Fine is a bop it's so catchy.
0: Okay. Okay. I didn't think so.
1: Okay just be just be a naysayer over there.
0: I will. Um, no I it, it was a song on this it's, album of filler like definitely six tracks before it
1: disagree disagree i like them more than the the original six tracks on the platinum version i think they're better um there's the whole joe jonas and sophie turner of it all on mr perfectly fine which is great i love that's some great internet content where taylor released the song and she was like me like writing songs in 2020 about like imagine people who aren't me and then me from 2008 released the song from the vault that's very obviously about joe jonas and then sophie turner posts about it on her instagram and it's like it's not not a bop like way to go sophie turner amazing
0: yeah, yeah, I'm not in the Taylor verse enough to get all that inter- interconnecting stuff, which might would make me like it more. But just listening to it as a song, not being steeped in the the Taylor mythology, um, it's it's a seaside. Katie is giving me a very judgy look.
1: <laughs> Correct. Correct. Ben you you just like not connected like you gotta think less like a white man and and more like a, a woman okay okay
0: i'll try that let me breathe in the womanlyness into my system and re-listen to this album
1: yeah highly agree anyways taylor i love what you're doing i think she should just record all of them at this point that would be dope
0: um, She's doing six of them, so all the ones that, that that music company owns.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, until, like, I mean, there's been some speculation that she's, like, trying to get them to come to the table, like, and negotiate, but, but at this point, it seems like she's having fun re-recording the stuff and doing it, so.
0: Well, wow, my gosh, uh, if this sells a sixth of the amount of albums that that one sold, then it's worth it to her.
1: Uh yeah. I mean Fearless was a smash hit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went diamond, so maybe even double diamond.
1: Spawned the the initial spawn of the the Taylor Kanye beef from this album.
0: It would be fucking hilarious if this one album of the year again.
1: Hey, <laughs> they're not gonna give it album of the year again.
0: There's enough new material on here that they might.
1: Ah, I doubt it. It might win a Grammy for like best pop vocal or something like that. I also want to, you know, after listening to our last podcast, she's not completely undeserving of winning album of the year. Get out of here, Ben.
0: Is she not? Did (laughs) I say she was completely undeserving? Yes. Um, It was released in the same year as the Young Apple album. Is that correct?
1: You're talking about this past year?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then she was not deserving of winning Album of the Year. Don't roll your eyes.
1: I I will roll my eyes because I love Fetch the Bolt Cutters and I think it probably is a better album, but but that doesn't take away from... Hey,
0: just because you're in the bag for Taylor Swift, that's cool. I have people I'm in the bag for too. Doesn't mean she deserves the Grammy over what you yourself just admitted was a better album.
1: No, but what I'm just saying, she's not completely undeserving. Like, it doesn't take away.
0: Well, no, there were much worse albums released than hers. So, yes, you're right. Oh,
1: my God. Okay. You're just being a little shit right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm being a little shit.
1: folklore is good evermore is maybe even better
0: i think i like folklore more i don't know i'd have to go back and listen to our reviews because i don't remember but both of those are very good albums i'm not saying they're not good albums i just think that fiona apple deserved the grammy over taylor
1: fiona doesn't care about that shit though and taylor does
0: that doesn't fucking matter at all
1: i'm just saying <laughs> just saying I'm just saying, and nobody cares just. about the Grammys anyways. I'm just saying Taylor's not undeserving of awards.
0: If nobody cared, we wouldn't be having this conversation about it.
1: Well, they do- they really don't, they don't. I mean, Taylor still cares, but, but the wider population does not.
0: Okay. I will take your word for it. I don't care about the Grammys really, but cause I didn't even know she had won the Grammy until you told me.
1: Yeah. What else should we talk about, Ben?
0: I don't know. What else do you want to talk about with this album?
1: I don't know. I just um, really like it. Wow, it's almost two hours. Damn.
0: Yeah, it's a long-ass album.
1: That's okay. Um, Yeah, I think it's great.
0: I would like it better. I'm going to be completely honest here. I would like this a lot better if it didn't have all the extra stuff on it. And that is saying both the Platinum Edition extra stuff and the extra stuff that she put on here. I completely understand why she put them. Take back control of your catalog. Power move. Give something for your fans so that they go buy this so that you are taking back power of your back catalog. Fucking A, 100%. That is the, the, a incredibly brilliant uh, move. Also, Taylor, congrats for being such a goddamn prolific songwriter that you still had another six... Songs that were in some state of being finished in your vault from this era that you can add to this that are thematically coherent, other than like the production being a little bit more updated. That's all amazing. But as a listener who is not in the Taylorverse, who just put this on and it's like, okay, I'm going to listen to this pop album, this is entirely too goddamn wrong.
1: You're cranky and you're in a bad mood and it's making you hate this album.
0: (laughs) I don't hate this album. (laughs) (laughs) just saying two hours is too long for any album
1: i mean it's 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 long but the end is strong enough to me that it's worth it
0: okay that's cool yeah i mean i i'm actually really really glad that you connected so well with those um those other songs
1: bye bye baby you know
0: bye baby you know um
1: oh, but i like a really weird very specific thing so um you all over me i am obsessed with the way like she sings burn on that song like i live i learned how you got burned burned <laughs> I have a weird obsession with that. Like, I think the way people sing burn is like always like a very like pleasing sound to the ear. Mm-hmm. Burn.
0: Burn. burn. I'm thinking of the cure and the way they sing burn. So, yeah. For, that's me, nice. it,
1: for me, it comes from <laughs> The Little Mermaid from Part of Your World. It's like the big climax of the song.
0: I'm not familiar with this, so.
1: It's like, well, she's like asking about like, like what it would be like in the human world, and and then the like one of the big like note climaxes is like, um. What is a fire and why does it? What's the word? Burn.
0: <laughs> that definitely made an impression on you.
1: Yeah, love it. Well, it's in fucking Hamilton too. It's like a whole song. It's just called Burn.
0: Mm not familiar with that either
1: you haven't listened to hamilton no ben ben you should you have disney plus now you should go watch hamilton i
0: don't have any desire to watch Hamilton.
1: well maybe i'll make you
0: okay yeah
1: maybe maybe you will make we can do a podcast about fucking hamilton.
0: Ooh, man. The historical inaccuracies in hamilton.
1: <sighs> yeah, but I mean, does a fictional piece of storytelling need to be historically accurate?
0: Um, the
1: musical. It's a fucking musical.
0: It depends on what you're telling your audience. Okay. So if you're just going to go, hey, this is an inspiration. You're yeah. taking creative license with it. 100% agree. It doesn't fucking matter. But when you are coming out there and making some grand statements about reclaiming history and telling history the correct way, then fuck you. It does I,
1: matter. I don't think Lin-Manuel Miranda... He might
0: not have, but a lot of people surrounding the production of this did. So
1: Potentially. But I, Lin-Manuel Miranda is too earnest to even utter such... such pretentious dribble.
0: That could be. I don't... I mean, I have heard some of the songs, haven't listened to the entire thing, and I think it... The songs are pretty good. I mean, I I do appreciate the fact that it got people interested in history. Um, I just wish people would actually look into it instead of just stopping at the the songs themselves. But whatever. That's that's a minor thing.
1: Totally. It's just... I resisted it for a long time because I was definitely like, well, I don't want to listen to it until I see it, Um, which took a few years, obviously, because not the easiest show to see. Yeah. Um, And even then, you're just like so... The staging of the show is so cool that that was really the thing that stood out to me and like I didn't really care that much about the the songs and like the songwriting I was like more impressed by the like way in which that show is staged and then I watched it when they released it on Disney plus and I was like fuck the show is good especially seeing it with the original cast I was like oh oh I get it now I get it
0: <laughs> yeah No, I think as far as a piece of representation, I think it is incredibly important. Because it does push back against the obsessive whitewashing of our history.
1: Well, yeah, the obsessive whitewashing. And it's like cool when you dive further into it. I can't believe this is turning into a Hamilton pod. Anyways, it's cool when you dive further into it, because one of my friends has like a Hamilton booklet that like, breaks down the songs and has all of uh Lynn's notes and he's refer- he's got so many deep references to rap music and like specific references to like very um deep rap cuts that I'm just like wow okay shit damn
0: <laughs> yeah that's probably pretty cool that would be an interesting read.
1: Yeah so Hamilton
0: <laughs> Hamilton
1: watch Hamilton listen to Hamilton y'all
0: or don't. Whatever you want to do.
1: Oh my gosh, Ben. <laughs> um, just a little preview for our next episode of the like normal pod. I Before we started recording this, I was watching Vanderpump Rules and wow, the next episode is a rich text, let me tell you.
0: Is it? Is it? Okay, well I yeah, haven't started it watching it Yeah, it
1: actually really so. is. Huh?
0: So said I haven't started watching it yet, so good.
1: Yeah, it is. I was like, damn, okay, here's the episode we've been waiting for
0: oh boy oh boy yeah. yeah buckle up i suppose
1: buckle up thanks for listening everybody taylor square do you,
0: you want to give a grade to this album
1: oh sure um yeah i'm gonna give it an
0: a i'm gonna give it a b uh, only because it's just too long um but as far as a reimagining of uh, And that honestly, that's probably what I would have given the original album too, because uh, there's like three songs on it that I think are really good and the rest are, I mean, solid, but not anything that uh, stuck with me.
1: I think a fair criticism of the the original album, I mean, even this one too, is that it does sound very like similar, like the songs all sound very similar to one another. And like, I think that's a fair critique, but it doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, no, and, and it won't bother some people. And that's cool. Um, there's a lot of this that probably won't bother some people. Uh, uh, again, I, I'm just not far enough into Taylor, universe you know, for some of the stuff. Yeah, Taylor versus for some Taylor of this All right. Well, thanks Uh-oh. for listening to another emergency Taylor pod. On, here on, we have so many opinions.
1: <laughs> here on, or, I, have I
0: have so many opinion. opinions. Actually, yeah. What what? Taylor
1: pod. The Taylor pod. Taylor, keep doing you, girl. But like, don't come after shows. After TV shows, that was not the best moment for T Swift.
0: I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about.
1: Um, maybe like a month, month and a half ago, that show dropped on Netflix. Junior in Georgia, and they made like a like a joke about Taylor dating guys, and Taylor just like came for them hard on the internet. She was like, "Oh, okay, Netflix. Like, thanks for your misogynistic." joke from 2010 like can't believe you did this blah, blah 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 and I was like okay Taylor wow like let's put the claws away this that's not where to like aim your powers not at like a show that's made mostly by people of color on Netflix like just calm down
0: I mean, maybe write songs about other stuff too
1: so whatever she can write songs whatever she, about whatever she fucking wants and she I will can sing.
0: Uh, I I, I don't care what she writes songs about but if you're going to be defensive about what you write songs about then maybe pick some other subject matter
1: but well it wasn't it was just about her dating history really whatever she I mean she's not wrong it's an old like it's a misogynistic old-fashioned joke but it's like all right but like also Taylor you have you could use your powers for much better battles like the one you're fighting right now with the music industry so but but Still support you, my girl.
0: (laughs) All right. Yes, keep sticking (laughs) it to the man, Taylor Swift.